0: Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller and this is a podcast about the disciplinary boundaries of design education. In this week's episode, I am joined by Mike Essel. Mike is the Dean and Associate Professor in the School of Art at Cooper Union here in New York. After graduating from Cooper with a focus in graphic design, he helped start the New York design studio, The Chopping Block, he received his MFA from Cranbrook, all the while continuing to teach at Cooper, eventually becoming the Dean in 2017. I've known Mike for a few years now, and to me, he's so intimately connected to Cooper Union. And in my head, it's always been hard for me to wrap my head around where Cooper fits into the spectrum of design education and kind of... You know, placing them in the type of students that they produce. And so that's where we begin this conversation. We talk about the structure of the Cooper Union program, why they don't have majors, the value of interdisciplinary critique, and how his time there as a student uh, changed his life. We also talk more generally about design education and the importance of teaching process and ways of thinking, as well as the future of design and how we can prepare the next generation of design students for this uncertain future. As you'll see, Mike's love for Cooper Union is truly infectious. For just a sample of that, I encourage you to watch a talk he gave a few years ago about Cooper Union. It's called Same Bat Time, Same Bat Channel. I put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, But my hope is that some of that enthusiasm comes through here as well and shows the strange and wonderful history of this unique school and what we can, can learn from it as well. If you like the show, I hope you consider supporting it on Patreon. We offer three monthly tiers, $3 for students, $5 for patrons, and $10 for superfans. They give you access to all sorts of bonus content like a monthly newsletter, you can get episodes early, you can get full transcripts of every episode, as well as exclusive interviews all while helping to financially support this show. Scratching the Surface is completely supported by these memberships. So if you like the show and if you wanna see it continue, I hope you consider joining us on Patreon. You can visit patreon.com surfacepodcast for all the details and to sign up. Thanks for listening. And here is my conversation with Mike Essel. I want to start this conversation with with possibly a big question and and, and possibly a weird question to start. And okay, th- this maybe says something more about me than anything else. Um, but when I think about you, uh, you are kind of synonymous with Cooper Union to me. I mean, you've been there essentially your your whole career since since undergrad. You you do have it tattooed on your chest. Um, <laughs> and when I think about Cooper Union, I think about This, like, very, it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around what Cooper Union is and specifically graphic design in Cooper Union. It's easy for me to kind of like reduce it to like, you know, pushpin studio vibe, like that, like very New York, you know, Milton Glazer, Seymour Quast, but. It's not just that, and and I I studied with Ellen Lupton. You know, I know Abbott. I know all of these like people, but it's always been hard for me to kind of define it, especially in relationship to like other design schools. How do you, how do you think about graphic design in Cooper Union? I guess is the question. That I'm yeah, to sure.
1: It's I get this question a lot because mm. we, you know, I only graduate between like six and eight graphic designers a year and many of them go on to, you know, be recognized in the profession. So, you know, if you look at the size of our graduating class and then you, the people you just mentioned, you know, Ellen and Abbott and Milton and Seymour, but then there's also, you know, Emily Oberman is at Penn Graham. And there's many, you know, many more out there. And I think it's one thing is just the size, you know, we're small, it's very intimate. It's, it's a little bit of a different approach than other art schools, but I think it's also that we don't have a major at right. Cooper Union. So there's no majors. You don't really major in design. When you study design there, you, you know, take a series of design classes, but you can easily complement those with fine art classes. Mm. And I think what happens that I've seen in art critiques that, and, you know, I've been a guest critic almost everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. at this point. If you're in a design critique and there's somebody who maybe his practice is primarily rooted in, say, painting, and then they're in your design class, right? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. They're Mm going to
1: bring the critique a whole other level of nuance that might not come from a room of just graphic designers. right? And that mix at all levels at Cooper Union and across disciplines I think is what accounts for the difference in our strategy, which is that we don't really teach graphic design like it's a major, we teach it as a, a tactic inside a larger fine art idea. So, you know, when I bring in adjuncts to teach at Cooper, I I will often say that y- you'd be better off assigning the vessel for students to pour content in than assigning the content. Because it's that that approach is much more applied. And it's not. <clears throat> it's not that I'm so naive to think that the business and the the industry of graphic design is not going to enter the classroom. I just think we can do that in ways that are more interesting than just say faux client work and things right.
0: like that. Right. 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 I yeah, and I agree with. I I like that model. I'm I, I'm a fan of that, and and I'm generally kind of a fan of even you know, just even getting rid of these. D- disciplinary boundaries in in general can, there's a can, lot of
1: talk about that at cooper union about what are these disciplines and how have they lasted so long you know? can,
0: can you can you talk about that because i'm i'm curious about i i like this idea as you're talking about it but i'm curious what it actually looks like so are there uh, student students graduate with a bfa and then yeah just a straight
1: bfa yep
0: yeah. And so, th- so they could have a focus that's in graphic design, but it could also be like painting or sculpture or any, and then they can just take classes across, you know, yeah. any of It's things. Basically,
1: the spread is, it's based just on prereqs after the first year. So the first year set, everybody does the same foundation year. And then from the sophomore period on, you're basically in charge of negotiating your program and mm-hmm. figuring out what's interesting to you. And then we help you stack up the prerequisites to get there. Basically. So, the other thing I'll add is that unlike other schools, we actually discourage concentration. So, if you're a sophomore and say you wanted to take three graphic design studios, we wouldn't let you. We'd
0: only let you take two. Do you have, I'm going to ask you this question in in two ways one generally, and then about you specifically. Do you have students who come into the school like wanting to be a graphic designer and and push up against that kind of idea, or do, or or are you kind of getting students who know, like you know, know what they're getting into? And then the the kind of secondary question that I'm asking is what that was like for you. Uh, you gave this great talk a couple years ago that I saw called "Same Bat Place, Same Bat Channel," which is kind of about your story, but it's also a kind of history of of Cooper and. You seemed like somebody who had a very clear interest in graphic design going into it. What was that experience like for you to kind of, you know, bounce around like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When I came in in 92, it was pretty alien to say, I want to be a graphic designer
0: at school. (laughs) We had
1: people who were interested in it, but that was in a way all I was interested in. (laughs) so it was a little problematic for me in that when they you know when they told me I couldn't take three graphic design classes in my (laughs) sophomore year I ended up taking silkscreen and sculpture and in the end I mean look taking silkscreen designers should probably be required to take that in my opinion just in terms of understanding separations and ink and I mean if you're going to do print it's kind of a key learning process so they knew what was good for me even though I did not Right. Right.
0: So occasionally
1: we'll have a student who's hyper-focused in one area. It's not always design. Uh, Most people at Cooper Union find design. You know, they like maybe enjoyed it the first year, took the second year classes and then stuck with it. But it would be pretty rare to find a graduate who by their senior year was only doing graphic design. You know, I felt a little bit like a misfit, but it it also in the end, it's like my concentration on graphic design really paid off because I was already freelancing before I graduated.
0: I, I want to go back to something you said earlier about when you have kind of new adjuncts come in and you tell them to assign the vessel instead of the content um, <laughs> yes. which I love I love that idea and I'm I don't mean to make this into a this whole conversation will not be telling me about the curriculum of, of no I got that. <laughs> that's fine. Cooper Union, but something that I think about, in the classes that I teach that are in graphic design departments that are, that are a little bit more rigid than, than what you're talking about. I'm always finding myself trying to push the boundaries of what a graphic design project is, how abstract I can make it. I, I definitely have had students who do things and they're like, is this, design?" I feel like I'm making art and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you're doing the project. Um, but then they, then they're asking questions like, well, how am I going to get a job?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have a similar approach. Can
0: you yeah. talk about like how, like, that's what I want to know is like how you do that. And then when you have students, if you have students who are like, is this going to get me a job? Like I tell me, teach me the things I need to know so I can then go work as a designer. <laughs> how do you do that balance between like exploration about thinking about form, thinking about expanding these kind of definitions and boundaries with that kind of pressure of, I also know that I need to get a job after this.
1: I mean, part of keeping the vessel, you know, designing the vessel of the project and not the content is that if the student wants to turn it into like a more applied portfolio piece, they they can, and you can even mm. encourage them to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, you can when you offer a project like that, if you see a student who say maybe just, isn't ready for their own idea in that way, right. Mm -hmm. That you would maybe lead them to something more applied. Cause often that's what I think draws students to design in undergrad is that it doesn't have the why, you know, it doesn't appear to have the wild landscape of a, of a fine arts degree. Right. Yeah. But it really does. It's in a way, there isn't much separation. It's just some students have a preconceived notion of, it has to be applied for me to get a job right and and what i've learned is it's not so much like the work shows your talent it shows the dedication right but the conversation about the work is what gets you the job right and i you know i think if the students who have made their own projects in my classes can actually speak about them in intelligent ways and show that they directed that project to conclusion right that that, I think, would hold the same weight as like a fake redesign of the Exxon logo. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's a project I've never given. Uh, <laughs> Good. Um, nor have I ever been given that project when I was a student either. Uh, when, when, I a- was
1: at, when I was at Cooper, I got a project from, uh, I think it was from Barbara Glauber, which was, it was an identity class, which is maybe the most applied,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And even in that class, the way she taught it was, you know, like identify yourself within a cultural group, um, mm. research that cultural group and any sort of visual signals or visual coding do they use as to, to indicate they're a member of that group. Right. 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 And then create a, a system of parts to communicate about that group. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could have turned that as I'm part of X corporation and these, this is my identity, right? Or I could have done it about the weird ecosystem of all my roommates. Right. And, and both in critique in that moment had equal weight. And I I think maybe that's the trick is that you make projects that can do both.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah.
1: you help the students find their voice within those projects, I think.
0: Yeah how how does that happen in critique you know like when when you have these these projects where students are You know, thinking both kind of personally and, you know, in kind of more applied projects and questions around good and bad, and this is like good graphic design or sellable (laughs) graphic design or whatever, no longer work. You know, like those those kind of old ways, the way that like I was critiqued in school, the way that perhaps... you know, yeah, you
1: I had crits like that. I walked out of a few of them, but I had. Crits like
0: that. <laughs> uh, well, you, you were your braver person than <laughs> I was in school. How do you? How does that change the like critique model and the critique conversation? Because it sounds like the critiques then are the way to have the conversations about the work, which you know you're also saying are kind of like equally important, equally as important in these these situations.
1: My critique style is is. I don't let the students preface the work with any kind of preamble before we critique it. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. So they have
1: to, I mean, the words I use often is like, you, I'm sorry, but you just have to suffer in silence while we talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the idea is, is for me is that, we, you know, we, you brought up this, like is graphic design art or that's often a question and critique. And it, for me, there needs to be utility for it to transcend or, or needs to needs to have a utility, deliver some utility or deliver some communication for it to be graphic design. Right. So as they're suffering in silence, we're interpreting. Right. And then when we're, you know, when we have our say, then I open the floor to the the designer who made the piece and they talk about, you know, they react to what they heard and then they have to in a way evaluate were my goals achieved or not. Right. And that's what we talk about. And, you know a little bit of that is about intent like what was your intent with the piece what are your motives behind making it um and then we talk as a class together then about sort of this the the coming together of the notions the notions from critique and the 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 notions that motivated the piece um and then i generally try to have a follow up conversation one on one in which um i just help them figure out what notes to apply and which ones maybe are, are not in service of the piece.
0: This is going to be a kind of roundabout way but it's it's exactly connecting to what you're just talking about. You mentioned earlier that you while you were still in school you were you had freelance clients, you were you were you know kind of starting to do design and then right after You graduated, you started a studio with some friends, Uh right? Was that right away?
1: Yeah, right away. I mean, I took a job at Cooper Union as an in-house designer for a few months. Okay. Basically to keep my freelance alive. Mm -hmm. And then when the freelance overtook the time I needed to have a job, I quit Mm -hmm. the job.
0: Okay. Nice. And then, so, so you were doing that, you know, you, you, you had this, this kind of short job, but then you were doing this freelance work. This Mm -hmm. turned into a studio, but then in like three or four years, you went to Cranbrook for an MFA, which I, as I was preparing for this and thinking about this, this conversation, I was thinking there's actually some interesting similarities between Cooper and Cranbrook in that at least for me, I think of both of them as sort of the kind of punk rock schools in, <laughs> in design. They're like a little bit of the outsider. You know, they do things a little bit different than everybody else. Why, why did you want to go back to school? What were you, Why do you want an MFA and why Cranbrook?
1: Um, big questions. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. So I started the chopping block with my friends right out of undergrad. And we, because the internet had just sort of become a thing, you know, we're talking 1995, yeah. 1996, around, around that. I won't say it was easy to start a design firm but it felt it felt easy to me. <laughs> right. right. Um and we have this legacy at Cooper Union of, you know, like not only did Pushpin go out and start a studio but you know when I was a student IO360 went out and started mm. a studio. Mm-hmm. And I'm still friendly with Casey Reese who who worked there, you know. So there's yeah. there's a I mean Casey didn't go to Cooper but that legacy is there. There were Cooper founding partners and so when I graduated I was like, well why would I want to go work for somebody else? You know, yeah, it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. So we started the firm and in the beginning, it was just two of us, two Cooper grads. And then we added two more Cooper grads as partners. And then we grew it to about 20 people with some interns. Mm. We had a whole floor of a building in Chelsea. It was really oh, wow. kind of insane. And I'll tell you, I hated every minute of it. <laughs> um, what, what did you hate about it? There's there's, I love making design. I, I don't so much love being beholden to my clients.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. And also we had a niche that was mainly entertainment sites. Hmm. And although I'm skilled at delivering that kind of work, you know, like if you tell mm-hmm, me to make it mm-hmm. cooler, I could figure out I'll make it cooler. It's just like, <laughs> this is the thing I can do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that work, it, it was it just wasn't as fulfilling as I had imagined it to be.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So I started thinking about my options and you know, we were pretty successful at the time. So going to graduate school was financially is probably the dumbest thing I could have done. <laughs> um but I needed a break, like right after undergrad, all you know, we did all that work. It was very fast paced. It so the company kept going while I was at graduate school. I basically took a sabbatical. Yeah.
0: Um, oh wow.
1: I was the only grad student I knew that was getting profit sharing why they were in graduate <laughs> school. Um, yeah. And the why Cranbrook question is a good one. Cause you're right. There are similarities and in graphic design, at least let's say in print design, there's often this idea of the big three, you know, like there's Yale Cal arts and Cranbrook.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's more of a legacy. I think of the, the criticism, the writing of around yeah. design in the yeah. 90s, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. but those for that.
1: me, those were the only three options. So okay, uh, I did not apply to Yale because all my professors went to Yale. Mm. And I figured I already got that somehow. You know what I mean? Like that that philosophy already entered into my classrooms. And so for me, it was down to CalArts or Cranbrook. And uh, my first interview was at CalArts. And I loved it. All the people I met were really great. I thought the program was fantastic. And then as I sat with a little bit, I realized every professor there that I resonated with went to Cranbrook. (laughs) And I was like, do I want to study under them or be them? And for me, Cranbrook was better because Cooper Union's very intense, and Cranbrook has no classes. yeah so yeah. cooper the the Cooper model really it gave me I don't know the ability to be very self-directed, right? So going to Cranbrook mm. where it's they rely on you to be self-directed was really perfect for me. Um, my timing going to grad school was a, a little odd because it was run by a husband and wife team, uh, P Scott Mackela yeah. and, uh, Lori Makala. And, um, and I was a huge fan of Scott Mackela's work. Um, just yeah. a huge fan. And so my plan was to study under him. And unfortunately he passed away right before I got there.
0: Okay. Um, I was going to ask about that timing. I was trying to figure it out and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out if it was right after or right before it was right before you got yeah, there. So
1: I met him for my interview and we talked and I got in and we had a hilarious conversation and then, you know, through some really freak kind of moment, he, you know, got an infection and died, um, yeah. which just meant that the, you know, that the the two years after were rocky for Lori, which made the department a little, you know, it was a little rocky, but she did her mm-hmm. best, man. I had no hard feelings. It was just an odd time, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: so she, she then re- continued to run the department up until you graduated, right? It was like the same year that she, yeah, she cor- left too.
1: Correct. And then uh, they did a search, and I was there when they did the search. And then they brought in Elliot Earls, who's still running the program. Okay. Right, right. And then I came back to Chopping Block after I graduated, and September 11th happened, and they had a meeting and laid me off from my own company. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, in, I, the, in the end was fine because I was already teaching and I really wanted to concentrate on teaching and they knew I wasn't happy. So, um, I mean, they, I was a partner, so they had to buy me out. So it wasn't all bad.
0: Yeah. Okay. I was, you know, I had a follow-up question and then you, you like, now I, <laughs> <laughs> I like, this conversation just went in a different, uh, a different direction. Cause I was going to, the question that I was going to ask was, how do you finish Cranbrook and then go back to what you were doing? doing like what was that like but it sounds like
1: that it was that a bad was a... idea that's what that was like um, and the <laughs> you don't know, have the, to get into that no of course not and the legacy of my old company like the chopping block which was you know very playful energetic work mm-hmm. is now one of one of my partners has a firm called one trick pony that works out, mm. out of philadelphia and they do very amazing work
0: you mentioned Earlier that you hated kind of doing that work, you, you did not like being uh, beholden to clients. I had read another interview with you in preparing for this, where you mentioned um, kind of feeling when you started teaching, feeling like that that was actually the thing that got you excited about this stuff. Was that and and that resonated with me a lot as somebody again who wanted to be a graphic designer since i was a teenager and then finished school and got a job as a graphic designer and was like wait a minute something (laughs) something's not quite right here and then i I worked for a little bit longer than you did and then went back to grad school same thing and and for me teaching also was a way to kind of find what it was that excited me about a lot of this stuff like teaching felt like a, a much more natural fit what was what what was it about teaching that kind of immediately caught you in a way that kind of client work didn't?
1: I th- I think, you know, there's this moment where you see the student understand, right. Yeah. Where you, they have this epiphany of like, Oh, you know, that's, that's why we space out uppercase type. You know, that's a minor <laughs> example or, you know, that, the, you know, you give them these real tools, right. To go out in the world with and, you know, for me, design is is like I love making images, right? I love, I just love the act of making them so much that teaching that part of it, right, the yeah, the yeah. practicing part is will always be a thrill for me, always. Um, and you know, there there are ways to have a practice where you route around that kind of client work. Mm-hmm. It's harder, right? But you can do it. And that's what I've done. I mean, I do mostly book design now for turns out for very large corporations. Um, But what I love about that is that it's slower than web design, it's a little more deliberate, the teamwork is a little more collaborative, in my opinion. Um, You know, it, it was a good switch for me that helped me with the teaching. And the and what you said is, is right, is that teaching every semester renewed my love for design. Because seeing what the students do with the tools and, the, and the, the things we talk about and then go out in the world and have success and pay their rent, you know, with those mm-hmm. tools, <laughs> for me, was, is always more fulfilling than, say, you know, launching a, a website for Macy's. Right. Right. That's all. Right. And I, I, no slight on designers who are fulfilled by that work because everybody's doing a different kind of thing. Yeah. But for me, the, you know, like my teachers changed my life. You know that kind of dedication. I don't know where I'd be without that, and and the you know the full scholarship to Cooper Union really tilted me towards really wanting to help people. So it's like for me, design is like if I can see that I'm helping somebody on the other side of the work, then I'm I'm committed. I'll do it. Um, but I never have to ask that question when I'm teaching.
0: Do you see teaching is teaching for you a type of design. Like, like, like you mentioned, the reason I asked that question, I, I, I'm sorry to like hedge on this question, mm-hmm. but you said something very early that I wanted to come back to where you said that there the, there was a, turned out that focusing on graphic design benefited you a lot in your career. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mm-hmm. want to talk about that and dig into that a little bit more. And I'm curious kind of how you see, what's the kind of relationship or intersection between kind of design processes, the things that a graphic design student learns, and then being in the classroom and being a teacher?
1: Huh. I mean, you know, if it was all training, right? If it was all like, here's how to set type in Illustrator, Photoshop, you know, whatever. It would be almost if it was all vocational, right? There'd mm-hmm. be, in my opinion, there'd be no reason to do it anymore because YouTube's better at that than I am.
0: <laughs> right. This is is maybe a, a very like personal question mm-hmm. coming from me as somebody who who wanted to be a designer forever. And then started doing it. And was like, uh, is this is this right? And then kind of like finding teaching and writing and this podcast right. and like all this other stuff that's around design um, that like you has made me like it again. But then there, you know. Whether that is, is insecurity or some existential question of like, oh, but like, am I, st-? like, I still identify as a designer, even though doing graphic design work in the very traditional sense is actually a very small percentage of what I do every oh, day. Interesting. I still identify as a designer primarily, you, I mean, you I, know, and because I'm in this world and all of that. I'm kind of curious how you think about that.
1: I mean, I, where I struggle is that I, I definitely, I don't know if I would have been excited about design as a kid if I knew it was so service related. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like on occasion, I really do feel like a digital janitor. You know, I feel like the assets that arrive from some of these jobs are, are, are troublesome and make the job not work. Not They make, they take mm. my life out of it. You know what I mean? That kind mm-hmm,
0: of work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: but mm-hmm. you know, the, but, and I, what I struggled with was like, am I going to really teach something to somebody that makes me miserable? And what I realized is is like, that's not, that's not fair, right? Like it doesn't, it's not so much the whole thing makes me miserable, just certain pockets of it make me miserable. And if I can concentrate on the things that I get really excited about and help my students navigate those miserable things, right? Then I'm doing right. service, right? Then I'm that's my service back to graphic design, you know?
0: Um. Yeah. Is there, is there, is there a, how do those, cause it's interesting. And I want to, I want to talk about you being the Dean in a second also, how that kind of, how that kind of fits into all of this, but is there a, what's the back and forth like for you between, it's interesting that you're still, you know, doing client work and you're, you're working on these books. How does that, how does that work kind of then make its way into, the classroom and then how does you know stuff that you're working with students then change how you're thinking about working with clients how, how are those influencing each other
1: huh i mean the easy answer on the student side is how it influences me is that the, working with them has just made my thinking more broad and it and it's exposed me to many more designers in the world many 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 more because they go out and find all this work I've never ever seen before and probably would have never seen. Right. So in terms of like my bubble, right. Mm -hmm, What mm -hmm. the students give me is man, they give me life and I don't want to (laughs) seem like some kind of energy vampire. Right. But they, what they give me is a perspective. I would never have on my own in my work. Right. And then for me, it's the other side is like, I, the, the, if the question is, is why or how do I keep my practice alive Mm -hmm. is the first answer is barely as Dean. Um, I think I've completed two books since I was Dean and I usually did about three a season and I've been Dean for five years. So it's been quite a slowdown, which is a choice I made because Cooper Union is really important to me. Um, But I also, just a funny aside is that I started making these collages on the side on Instagram. Because mm. I didn't have a practice, and I really just need to be doing design all the time, and <laughs> and now that that's turned into a book deal, so it, uh-huh. you, you never know how these things are going to come back to you, yeah. you know.
0: That that's interesting, and that, that that leads into exactly what my kind of next question mm-hmm. was going to be. You've been dean since 2017. Yeah, I think that's uh, right. acting uh, dean, acting dean a little bit earlier than that, yeah, but kind about of officially a year. dean. Yep. Um, in 2017 and that was, that came after, and we don't have to kind of go through this whole yeah. story. I think like you've talked about it, plan, like this, like, you know, the school was free for all these years and then the president and leadership kind of built a building, all this money, and then it wasn't free. And you and, <laughs> and the group of people sued the school and all of this. And, you know, long story short, a bunch of changes, you're on the path to being free again. Yeah. Um and somehow in all of that you became the dean um, is that is that a fair i i know yeah, i know that's a that's that, a pretty good
1: that... abridged version of it i mean look i i the trustees and the president at the time decided for the first time in 150 years that cooper union should tar- charge tuition right mm-hmm. so me and some friends we sued in New York Supreme court, the end result of that is that the, that president uh, left, we brought in a new president and now we're on our path back to free. And what happened is, is I thought we were going to lose our lawsuit. So I moved to San Francisco because I didn't really want to teach anywhere, but Cooper union really. So um, I moved to San Francisco, worked on the lawsuit Towards the end of the, all the calls about the lawsuit, it became pretty clear to me that we were going to win. Mm. And I got a call at the time from the current dean of the art school, who I could tell was indirectly asking what was going on. And when I conveyed to her that I thought we were going to win, she sort of indirectly told me she was maybe going to step down if everything was going to be fine. And in that moment, I looked at my wife when I got off the phone and I was like, I think I'm going to be the dean. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there was disbelief there. And yeah. what, what happened is I returned to Cooper Union. I taught for one year. The dean did, in fact, step down because, you know, it was just the right time for transition. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I put my hand up to be acting dean because that's the tradition at Cooper Union is a, a faculty member steps up between deans. OK. And then I ended up doing well enough that they appointed me the real dean which is the the joke i make is going from acting to real like i'm pinocchio or something Um, (laughs) and then uh now i've i did three years and now i'm i'm about to start another three-year term as dean
0: first of all congratulations thank you um and it does it does seem you know as somebody who was following all of that um kind of in real time just just out of interest it's it's been exciting to actually watch it, you know, go the way that it's supposed to go. Yeah, uh, true. Yep. When it so easily couldn't have. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about you being the dean, especially in the context of this conversation as somebody who loves making images, you know, loves being in the classroom. And, and you're still, you're still kind of maintaining a practice. You've continued to teach. Um, but how does all this like, admin stuff you know that that comes with dean how does that fit into this do you enjoy that also huh
1: it's like i have to factor who would might be listening to this
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't i don't mean i don't mean it like that but i I guess i I guess i'm kidding it's a it's a continuation of that question of of you you know how studying graphic design has has kind of helped you um you know how do you kind of think about all of that work
1: it's 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 funny like Starting a design firm when I was pretty young, you know, mm-hmm. and having it be successful and working with accountants and lawyers and, you know, having to have a cleaning staff contract and all, all mm. these things that, you know, run in the background, like the operations of the day-to-day firm. That was really my wheelhouse. I don't know. I just was mm. a, a bit of a natural at the contracts and the operations. Okay. And so with the Dean job is very similar. I mean, it's, it's a small school. I think my total budget is, um, is, you know, a few million dollars a year. Um, and it, it has very similar feel to me as running a design firm just in terms of the logistics right. of it. Um, right. So that part wasn't so alien to me. I mean, the other part of your question was, do I like it? <laughs> and at You know, one of the reasons I did not like running the chopping block was not only did I find the client work not so fulfilling, but supporting that work administratively also was not so fulfilling. Right.
0: Yeah. That's kind of why I was asking that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it makes sense. But the thing about Cooper Union, you know, as you mentioned, I have it tattooed on my chest, is that it, I mean, I don't have better words for this. I feel like it saved my life. And the idea that it would exist in a way where it couldn't do that for other students was not okay with me and never will be. And I felt obligated to fight just like I feel obligated to be the dean in
0: this transition to protect the place.
1: Not that it's under assault anymore, just to shepherd it back to free.
0: As dean, what do you see your job? You know, you're talking about kind of shepherding it back. Mm-hmm. How, how how are you thinking about kind of going about doing that and protecting it and, you know, giving back everything that it has given to you in your role as dean? What does that actually look like? I
1: mean, a lot of uh, a lot of it is trusting the faculty and supporting the faculty so that they can help really guide the school. I really believe the faculty of and the students have been the heart of the place, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. my job as dean. And in terms of, say, the the larger vision for the fine arts program, is it, it's a collaboration and a good one between me and the faculty. Um, so I, in other words, I don't have to come up with that wholesale. That would be very daunting, right? But mm-hmm. really just like very systematic review of everything we do since I started to understand things like how are our policies hurting the students that that those policies need to help. Right. Mm. Like how can we introduce more better ideas of fairness? How can we define things like simple things like what really is an excused absence? Right. Those, Right, Those things seem tedious But they add up to a picture of really, truly helping the students.
0: Yeah. Which is what
1: I've been working on a lot. The other thing that I'm very invested in is that when I went to Cooper Union, I was really fortunate that um, one of my roommates at Cooper was an electrical engineer and also like a Macintosh expert. Mm. And I had learned how to use like PageMaker and Aldous Freehand in high school.
0: Nice. So I
1: I had a little bit of a touch with that stuff, but but John, my roommate, like he showed me how to use a BBS and download software mm-hmm. and how to, you know, just how Macs work down all the way yeah. down to like installing RAM, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and that led me to be more friendly with the engineers, because there's three schools at Cooper Union, the art school, the architecture school and the engineering school. And in in sort of in that path is where I got into web design and understood how Apache and web servers worked. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Cooper was one of the first sites to like have Unix as an educational Mm -hmm. place. So there was a whole culture of web of the web there. Like I remember in class looking at Netscape 1.0 or whatever. Um, And that would have never happened if I didn't have this roommate and have this practice. So one of my goals as Dean is to bring that more inside so that it doesn't happen so much on the periphery right so right. you know we i recently worked with my staff and we got a grant of about five hundred thousand dollars to introduce new technology in our curriculum which oh, nice. includes equipment and includes artist talks and workshops and just a way for us to move more into that space right mm-hmm. so one of my goals is to you know bring uh let's call it a computation track to the art school because we have a, we have a little bit of that now, you know, we have a mostly geared towards uh, HTML and web-based programming language, Mm -hmm. but I would, I would like us to do more, you know, interact with things like laser cutters, CNC machines, virtual reality, drones, I don't know, blockchain, you know, there's a hundred things where we're not doing that are, that artists are really taking advantage of. Yeah. So that my goal is to formalize that a little bit more. And also the engineering school is working on a computer science major. Mm. So finding connections to that major into this program in the art school, and it could be really interesting for
0: us. That leads into that. This it, perfectly sets up my next question, which kind of leads into my final couple of questions for, for you. Um, Cause I, I was kind of curious what you think is next for design education or like, what are the big challenges for, both those of us who are teaching graphic design today, but also kind of the students entering the profession, you know, it's, there's so much change happening, Right. <laughs> both, both both in design specifically, but just in the world uh, that, that we've kind of touched on throughout this conversation. What, where's your interest in kind of, you know, the next, next yeah. kind of part of design education?
1: I mean, I'll give you like a, a, a very basic example to tell you where my head is, which is, um, I'm sure you've seen netflix.com.
0: <laughs> I've heard of it. Sounds familiar.
1: <laughs> so the the little previews, the thumbnails they use for the shows, right?
0: Yeah. It used to be
1: they employed somebody to make those, right? And now they're entirely algorithmically generated, is my Oh, right, right. Right? Yeah. So it's like it understands the location of the face in the photo. It understands where to put the logo. It understands if the logo needs a drop shadow. All those things that we were training students to do, right? are are in theory now at least in this small way done done programmatically right Mm -hmm. so the big question I have is when do we start teaching that programming side as a design tool and do we do that and how do we do that and for me this grant is the first way is to bring some of these questions into the classroom right Mm -hmm. um and it's not so you know it's like we don't it's, it's not that I want to train them in technology, right? But I want the technology to be seen not as alien. Right. As a, as a thing, that's just another tool, like a, you know, picking up a paintbrush or welding something, or that this should just be part of what's available to you and your ideas. And that's, I want to leave the place when I'm done being Dean, I would like to leave that in place for everybody yeah. else. Um, and then the other thing I'm, It's not so much about design education, but in terms of my vision for Cooper Union is that we've, and my talk hits on this a little bit, which is we do a very good job of promoting our graduates who, I don't know, align with our program, right? So, you know, if you're a painter, a sculptor, a graphic designer, we pay a lot of attention to you when you graduate, but we also have graduates like, you know, in my talk, I mentioned the graduate Woody Gelman. Yeah. you know woody invented Mars attacks he drew the original training cards or the sketches you know he invented wacky packs which went on right. to be garbage Pail kids which that sort of side of culture is often not represented in our in our yeah. in the way we talk about Cooper Union and I'm interested in in showcasing it and actually bringing light to it because I want I want students to know that there's not one path out of art school that there, that that this education sets you up to do all kinds of amazing things, including you know making garbage pail kids cards. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. I mean, I think that that's not even just a Cooper thing. You know, I feel like that that's like a lot of high, higher education. You know, kind of promoting uh, this is a blanket statement, but you know what I mean. These yeah. kind of narrow, narrow kind of views of success, and I I'm a hundred percent into this idea of and even just opening up graphic design, you know, that doesn't just have to be work for clients and, you know, like, yeah, right. you know, kind of corporate identity stuff. It can be comics and, you know, all of this stuff can be kind of part of, of what we do and how we talk about our programs and, and our work.
1: I mean, what's really funny in the end for me is that like Batman is what led me to, to, to be a designer. There's no other way for mm-hmm. me to look at it really between the show and the comics and introducing me to that whole world that, fueled my path to design you know and i went to cooper union i taught at cooper yep. union i've done all these things at cooper union and i didn't even know that batman was co-created by a cooper union graduate yeah
0: that's how it's much crazy. we don't
1: talk about our graduates that don't say yeah. do exactly what what we teach right so it it it's just so part of the other thing i'm doing is we don't have a school of art archive Like Mm -hmm. we don't have something where I can look up and yeah, it's just like we have bits and pieces here and there. So part of what I'm working on now is um, is actually creating like essentially a very specific art alumni database that so we can figure out where people are and where their work is. And so I that's part of the things I'm working on, too.
0: You know, that's kind of about I I was just kind of asking about design education. Mm -hmm. Generally and kind of what you see next, I I, I want to flip the question a little bit and like, what's next for you? Um, you know, you 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 have a, another three year term. You said you mentioned this kind of book book deal, yeah. but what's where's your head right now? What what do you think is uh, on, on the horizon?
1: I you know it's funny I, I'm in love with VR, which <clears> is a weird thing. It seems like some every time VR comes up, the next thing that comes up is that it's dead. Right? right. But there's right. something unbelievably immersive about it that intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to think it's part of the future somehow, even though it's like yeah. wearing a toaster on your face. Right. You know? right. It's like if they can collapse the technology into a pair of eyeglasses, I, I think we're going to see probably some horrible things and probably some amazing things at the same time. <laughs> Um,
0: as with all, as, yeah, with, all as with all technology.
1: technology. Um, <clears throat> I, I also think like a lot of the designers I talk to now are talking about helping people and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the pandemic has raised some kind of human awareness in all of us that maybe yeah. design should sort of recenter around that notion. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's more wishful thinking than a guess at the future. And I, I think we're in a funny transition with the tools to make design. Like I find InDesign is like gets in my way more than it aids me. And I find like, I feel like I'm the last designer on earth who would open Photoshop to make a website. You know what I mean? To the (laughs) point where, to the point where no lie, when I worked at mule design in San Francisco, they actually like Adobe sent somebody to watch me make websites in Photoshop. Like as if I'm some like extinct animal. Um, Yeah. But you you, might be the last one. I I mean, luckily I don't make websites anymore, so it's all for the best, I think. Um, But, you know, those, the tools are awkward. They're, they're, you know, kudos to everybody who's been going over to Adobe and the other places to help make them better. But I'm, you know, I'm craving something more lightweight to make books. You Mm -hmm. know, something... You know, I don't, I don't need InDesign to also make interactive websites, for instance. Right. You know, right. like when I, I did some beta testing for Adobe early in my career, and I remember one of the arguments on the message board was they wanted to add an animation timeline to Illustrator. <laughs> and I just said, that's like adding a weed whacker on the end of a hammer. Like, I don't, <laughs> it just doesn't, there's something about it that uh-huh. doesn't compute to me. But, you know, they were trying yeah. to compete with Flash at the time before yep. they had yep. it. So I, yeah. I get the motivations, but it's like, I, anyway, I, I'm surprised that the tools are feel like they're almost in the same
0: place as they were when we started. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, I can do more stuff with Photoshop than I could in 2.5. <laughs> sure. But, you know, the my basic work in Photoshop, setting type, all that stuff that I used to do in Photoshop yeah. is, it felt mostly unchanged. It's like maybe they gave yeah. me the ability to make columns. Thank you. <laughs> You know, Um, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a little ways. I'm, I I don't know what the next thing is. Like, I don't want to use Photoshop in VR, for instance. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't, there is going to be some moment where maybe I can make that choice. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. know.
1: I, maybe I'm rambling. I don't know.
0: I don't, um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I think there's like all sorts of conversations around tools and, and you know, these kind of startups who are trying to make more lightweight mm-hmm. things. And it seems like, you know, some of them are, are gaining traction, but Adobe does have a hold on. I mean, this that's a whole other conversation, but I think you're right. There is. There's there seems to be a change. A foot, we're in a transition yeah. time.
1: I mean, um, there are lightweight competitors. I mean, what's funny about my past experience is that I spent the summer of 1995 interning at Microsoft, mm. and my main goal was designing the interface for a competitor to Photoshop, and I designed it with Photoshop on a Mac.
0: <laughs> of course that is the best that is the best story
1: yeah uh, and that that should tell you everything you need to know about how advanced the tools are you know what i mean because that was 1995 and the tools haven't in my opinion haven't changed all that much really yeah Um,
0: that's hilarious (laughs) um anyway i mean before we get completely off track i have one more question for you which is the last question that i that i end all these conversations i'm curious what you're reading right now
1: oh gosh um (laughs) this is so embarrassing um so i'm a mega fan of the comic book character the punisher
0: okay you said you did you talk about that in your talk also
1: i do and i'm i'm a diehard man i love the guy it's just it's it's i don't know it helps me with my anger is the best way to put it i find it so soothing to read such an angry comic but that's actually not what i'm reading i'm reading there's 37 books, I believe, in a book series called The Executioner. Okay. Which was basically the inspirational fodder for The Punisher. Mm. Okay. Or you could say it was ripped off. Either way, however you want to look the, at it. But these are The Punisher like, was
0: ripped off by The Executioner. No, but no. The Executioner no. came first. The Executioner
1: or, came first. Okay. Got um, it. And the books are really pulpy, like bad, like think American James Bond books, but not as good. Okay. Um, okay. But there's something about like, you know, every five pages, there's action that during the pandemic has been mm. just a thrill to read, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, Don't and, be embarrassed. No, no, no. And then the other thing I'm reading, I just cracked it, is there's a brand new biography about Stanley Lee that I've been reading. Mm. Um,
0: I was hoping that your answers would be comic related.
1: <laughs> I I mean, like I read everything. I read all the time. But lately, I read to escape. So yeah, that's what i've been I, doing lately is escaping
0: yeah i'm with you i'm with you there uh mike this was such a great conversation your your love of design and of cooper union is infectious um and and so thank you for the the work that you're doing and thanks for being on the show i enjoyed this conversation so much
1: oh man thank you i had a great time
0: this episode was recorded on March 5th, 2021. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can support the show on Patreon and find previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.